towards the tail end of the last stream slash bonus episode, I don't think it made it into the final edit of the episode itself. Because, at one point, somebody brought up Chaz, uh, the, the autonomous zone. I was like, and at that point, I was like, I don't even want to touch this thing with a 10-foot pole right now. Because, who the fuck knows what's going on with that? It was just kind of a flurry of, like... At the time, it seemed like the only thing there was to review was, like, a flurry of social media rumors. And, as always, you know, it's it's tough to say what it looks like on the ground. So, uh, we got somebody we got in touch with who went to see it on the ground. Uh, we got Ben Lane uh, on the show. Hi. How you doing? I'm hey, doing ben. pretty well. I got back from Seattle just, like, the other day. Maybe let me ask you, so what, what inspired you to go visit... The I guess it's it's chop now. It used to be chat. Now it's chop. You know what? It's really huh. unclear. There's a, a piece of graffiti I found on one of the new barricades that uh, the mayor shipped in that says like C H C A P or something. Uh, yeah, I guess it's chop now though. Capitol Hill occupied protest, but people are okay. doing both. It's huh. Chaz slash chop. I feel I, I I did feel like they missed an opportunity to call it the Chapel Hill Autonomous District or uh-huh. Chad. Yeah, but, well, you know. that'll be easy when the if maybe that's what they'll call it if the mayor comes in and makes it an official district, yeah. um, which someone said that they thought. Uh, why would why did I go there? Um, it was really like my friend's idea. A bunch of us have been involved in protests in Eugene, and also I just graduated. Um, so congratulations! It was, thank you. It was yes. kind of like we don't have anything to do now. We have some free time because none of us have jobs, and we're all just. A bunch of us graduated from college, yep. and we wanted to see what was going on. Um, Welcome. It was a combination of like genuine, kind of politically oriented interests, and also like we're going to go on a fun road trip. Yeah, yeah. Post college, life changing, friend road trip into uh, hippie slash anarchist social experiment. Right. It was our pilgrimage to the Capitol Hill <laughs> Autonomous Zone. Nice. <laughs> I don't. Know. Oh yeah. Um, Time honored tradition. So I guess kind of, you know, I've heard. One thing that's interesting about this is I've heard kind of like three distinct narratives about it, right? And the one you heard especially early on was, you know, often seen in the Jack Dogga meme is that, you know, like, this is this is the – see, we're not just a bunch of like, you know, Bernie bros or like armchair keyboard warriors. Those anarchists, we're out there in the streets making it happen, right? So that's like the Commune 2.0 vision, right? And there's a lot of people doing donuts on the front lawn of Rose Emoji Twitter, and then there's like the liberal view, which is like, you know, hey, this is a happening, man. You know, like this is like a c- cool place to come and do some sidewalk chalk and smoke a doob and, you know, watch a watch a movie about police violence, you know, projected outside. Come on, people now. And then and then there was uh, the Trump tard view of this is basically Bane and the Dark Knight Rises. And there's warlords, uh, Antifa terrorists who are preparing <laughs> to uh seize hold of america there's um, raz the warlord or whatever yeah they say. raz the warlord um and honestly what's cool about this and the reason why i have some affection for this no matter how great or stupid it is is because all those things are cool by me you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i agree no that if is it, that is true if it's the commune 2.0 great if it's if it's you know rainbow that's fine you know nice little outdoor festival uh right. if it's if, if it's bane just like you know beating up you know, beating up rich people and like critical doing, support. Yeah, doing doing protection rackets on small businesses. Hell yeah, dude, awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I guess um, I'm there there is a fourth view. There is a fourth view. The uh, you know, let's see, the bespoke like ultra left burnout view that you know Ch- Chaz is some kind of form of anarcho larping, and it's cringe. And uh, you know. Uh, generally from people who are just sort of haters all around. Right. And, I've, I, you know, seeing the response to this, specifically that response, just makes me reflexively defensive in a way I'm usually critical of, but like, right, eh, I, you know? Well, I, and if, it, if it's, like, uh, my guess is, and maybe you could tell me having been on the ground. Yeah. My initial guess was it's probably like Occupy. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's kind of like Occupy. I will say, honestly, having been to... I went to Occupy Portland, I mean, obviously years and years ago when I was pretty young when I, when my, when I went there. But honestly, this is a, has more street fair energy than Occupy did. Wow. And 
I would say it's bigger in terms of space, but like maybe close to the same number of people as I saw in Occupy Portland because Occupy Portland okay. was two park blocks. This is like an actual street, like a couple actual streets, and then also a park where people are camping. Um, and it, it it does have more street fair energy than Occupy because maybe just because of the fact that it's on a street. Um, mm. I I mean I I think that like. I, talking to people there, it seemed like a pretty natural, like they, the people who I talked to said that it was fairly naturally arose out of the protests that occurred, um, that were occurring. Like they were just kind of in this area and people settled down there basically. And that was how it happened. So it was like, it was fairly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize it as anarcho LARPing exactly, but like, I do understand why people are critical of it. Cause there is, there is definitely is a strong left-wing block party atmosphere to it. Which is, you know, like, I like left-wing black parties. But yeah. that, there is certainly a, a strong element of that. Um, well, it seems like where the LARPing really takes place is online. Like, even yeah, see this with something right. like, um, like uh, the you know, uh, Curtis Day, like the YPG and all that stuff, right? You get people, like, projecting all their shit onto it. That often, you know, is undercut by some of the stranger things or things that don't quite fit into that mold happening on the ground, right? Right, right. A bit of Castadian or- Orientalism, I suppose. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, that far-off, strange land of the Pacific Northwest. I mean, Seattle <laughs> yeah, is a weird city. I mean, no yeah, question. I mean, I'm from I'm from Portland originally, so like, I, I don't know. Seattle's a little vanilla comparably, kind of vanilla compared to Portland. <laughs> At least that was my impression of it. They do have the Lenin statue in Seattle, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now the that, that is an objective gain of of Seattle. Yes, it is an objectively better and, um, aspect. There, there was an attempt at an autonomous zone in Portland as we're recording this. It was last night, last yes. for about a couple hours across two city blocks. Sounds like it might have been um, a similar space to where Occupy Portland was, um, but I can't confirm that. That's the Occupy Portland was in the park blocks in downtown Portland. I don't know where the where the Portland autonomous zone was though. It, well, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like what happened was basically the cops withdrew from the area after a lot of like particularly contentious like fighting and then people from what it sounds like people were saying it, it was almost kind of like a joke when they declared it like an autonomous zone and then it just kind of went from being like oh well it's an autonomous zone now to like yeah dude it's an autonomous zone now um but i feel like it's only a matter of time before people it settles in like okay this is an autonomous zone like how do we how do we manage this um i don't know like what else what, what else did you like see on the ground like what are you know what was like the vibe of the place what was you know yeah, so you said like street street fair a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of art. Like, there's just everything is covered in street art, which is cool. Um, another another thing I noticed is that there's so th- they recently changed the name from the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone to the Capitol Hill Occupied Protest. But I talked to a variety of people who were who were there like from the beginning, and the impression I got was that even the original name they didn't know who came up with it. They didn't really know like when this change happened. I. I, to a certain degree, I wonder if it's, if it's name of the like Capitol Hill autonomous zone is partially a creation of the internet. Like Hmm. they were, they were kind of like, we were just here and then someone gave it a name and then we started getting media attention because of the name. Um, And that, and that process has made it into this, you know, street fair destination that people will like me go from Eugene to (laughs) Seattle to see. Um, Huh. Well, and that it, makes it that does make it very different from Occupy, which is very much planned. You know, like right. we had this idea that we're going to do this thing, well, whereas the, this seems um, much more ad hoc. Yeah, this was very much a spun, like a somewhat natural outgrowth of the original protest. I, well, I, I, I kind of want to push back a little bit on on uh, that. There's a that there's much of a, a difference. I guess the first name that I heard was Seattle Commune, to which uh, mm-hmm. that's the first one I heard on the internet. To which C. Derek Varnes says, "I hope it ends better than the last one." Um, and then, um, that immediately gave me Occupy flashbacks to Occupy Oakland, who during what I would call the sort of, uh, decadent phase of the occupations, uh, declared the Oakland commune. Um, and it was, you know, to someone that was an outside agitator, uh, driving down from Davis to, you know, check it out. It definitely seemed like that's when a lot of the popular support and energy was waning. And, um, you know, there, there simply wasn't as much like popular support for 
uh, you know, communization measures and uh, inventive means of protest, <laughs> if, if you will, as, as there has been in 2020 at that time. And so when I saw this happening, I was, you know, my, my reptile brain kicked in and I was like, oh no, maybe things are falling apart. When I got more information, kind of learning that the police had more or less just pulled back in what seems like a strategic retreat. And yeah. the, you know, the protesters took advantage of this to try to do some prefiguration. That's, that's what it sounds like. Um, it sounds like perhaps a more organic outgrowth and something maybe less, something more tied up with the victories of the protests than it's, kind of disintegration would you I, does that sound right uh, yeah I, I mean i think that sounds basically right it definitely feels like a result of a certain victory of the protest uh one of the more interesting things that happened while i was there which is like mo it was mostly a bad thing is that the the on the second day i was there uh the mayor actually came well the mayor sent some you know workers in and actually i think a couple cops to deconstruct the barricade that the protesters had put up and replace it with city provided barricades. Um, but there was one of the results of this is that the city provided barricades were arranged in such a way that the, uh, uh, that the autonomous zone lost a lot of space. Right. I think they're trying to free up basically the road. And at first I thought they were trying to like, cause the barricades are near the police station along that road. At first I thought they were trying to claim that police precinct back. But I, but they weren't. They're were just opening up road. Um, but there's a lot of suspicion from people there about that, and like people arguing hmm. about it because uh, they kind of the mayor kind of just did it. Um, right. Well, who was going to stop them? You know, I, nobody. Like they could. I guess they could have. You know, thrown stuff at them and like mobbed them, but no one did. Like, did I, you see I, like anybody open carrying or anything there? Or? I actually did see one person open carrying. Uh, someone who was like talking to the medics near one of the borders this you know a guy with a large gun he seemed to be with the protest okay. uh, but i saw only one only one person i also had someone come up to me and ask me if i had seen anyone open carrying to which i said uh no <laughs> I, I hadn't at that point <laughs> but, right right yeah um, um can you say more about what the relation of the chad chop whatever is to the city officials in general i'm not i guess i'm not just talking about like elected officials or whatever but the mm -hmm. you know the, the the city of seattle like the, you know what i'm talking about yeah i mean it i guess a lot of people people in people there first of all hate the seattle mayor i, I i'm it, i guess it one thing that like i think some medic said to me that he thought seemed likely would be that the city basically accepts the autonomous zone, makes it makes it its own special neighborhood, and like transforms the police precinct into a community center, and that would and huh. like the perspective I got was that that would basically be a way to neutralize the protest, because you know the police in Seattle don't really need that precinct specifically, they could right. have a lot of different ones, and so if the mayor would to come in and basically do that and offer some amount of acceptance to the zone, then that would be, uh, that would be one way to neutralize it. Um, another thing is I believe that the police wanted, were basically told by the mayor of, of Seattle not to interfere with it. So like the police, I maybe even had plans to go in and interfere with it, but then were told not to essentially. Um, I think that the city is being really careful to treat it like to basically act as nonviolently as possible with it and to grant it mm -hmm. some kind of acceptance. I mean, putting in those barricades like they did the day I was there was definitely a way to gain ground from the autonomous zone, but it was also like we're putting in barricades for you, you know. Right. There are more it, it permanent could, barricades. It could signal something towards a process of normalization. But one thing yeah. I just you said at the very beginning, like I kind of wonder, does anybody like their mayor anymore? I feel like everyone in their no. city hates their fucking mayor. No. <laughs> like, they all mm. they all hate the mayor. That's true in Portland too, but for yeah. the record. Um, uh, every, um, 
I know some New York liberals that like de Blasio because he flattened the curve or whatever, but beyond that, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't I, think of anyone. Um, I, um, but I was going to say, like, the one model that people have pointed to for where this could go, like, what an off-ramp could be. Because, again, there has to be some kind of, like, resolution because it can't just hang up in the air. Is, uh, I guess, Freetown Christiana. Like, I the, don't really the, know about that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That, Christiana was talked about on our, I think it was part two of uh, Past Tense, which is a Deep Space Nine episode that we watched with uh, ah. with um, the Antifada. And uh, how did they describe it, Jake? I don't actually even remember that part of the conversation. I think I was way too high that episode. Um, but but from what I've read about it recently, um, it is it was basically the Freetown Cristiano basically was a squat that was started by basically like leftists and hippies in Copenhagen in the seventies, and they did it on what was basically an abandoned military base. Um, but when they did it, it wasn't really. It wasn't really like connected. I mean, in some ways, it was connected to concerns about like high prices of housing, et cetera, et cetera. But it there was very much a conscious attempt at living there and creating like this urban space and this kind of uh, sort of communal communal space like within the city. Um, and there a lot of, and the initial demands were kind of specifically to use this space for x y and z and to be allowed to do that basically and to not have the space be run by money or anything like that um and so that probably may be something that and the thing is freetown christiana became like a huge tourist spot in that country so in many ways like it's it did even though you know obviously they were sitting on very expensive real estate it did eventually have some kind of like economic utility to the broader you know capitalist community surrounding it um and I could see maybe Seattle wanting something similar, like, yeah, if we could get all the hippies into like one district, like maybe they'll stop bitching and they'll create they'll create like this weird kind of like curiosity, like, you know, we can call it like Hamsterdam or something and people can go and, you know, people can go and that's like a curious and which is already kind of happening from what I understand. Like, I mean, I'm literally talking to someone who was a tourist there. Yeah, I'm no, literally that basically was what it was. Um, I mean, I also went and did interviews that will be on the that are are already on the zero books youtube channel um yeah uh one thing that is that is nice about about it is like it does feel kind of safer to be in the autonomous zone than in other parts of the city just because there's so many people there also you can drink publicly without having to worry um but like that will go away if they turn it into uh you know into its own officially recognized district probably i think i think generally the feeling i got like actually our we t we took a lift right at one point because uh it was gonna take us too long to like our our ride had already driven there so we had to lift to get to the zone um and one thing that uh the, the lift driver actually talked to us about it and he was like oh yeah it's great they're gonna make it its own district maybe that's what i think will happen and he was very optimistic about it but the people actually in the autonomous zone itself, it seemed to me, saw that, at least some of them saw that as a, that would be like a way to neutralize it. Like if they were to do that hmm. in Seattle, I, they also just all, they really do all hate their, their mayor. I talked to one guy who was like, yeah, I think she should resign. Basically that was their perspective. Yeah. Um, something about uh, Freetown Christiania that, kind of struck a Pacific Northwest chord with me that the Antifada were talking about. It's that, um, you know, you have the hippie circles and then you also have some like white supremacist gangs, white separatist gangs selling drugs. And I'm like, oh yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, that was like a long running problem. But speaking of that, like another thing I've really loved about this because um, the existence of this, you know, it's, we're not exempt from it. It's grist for it's content for us. You know what I mean? Like it's grist for the oh, mill sure. for this fucking show. But especially for like conservative, like Fox News, right? Like what they've what they've managed to like transmute and turn this into. Um, you know, and there's been all kinds of stuff where it's like they're photoshopping people in there that aren't there and just like making shit up. But my favorite oh. thing that's happened is like there's this was this myth that first like bikers for Trump were gonna go in there and clean it up, right? And like bikers for Trump are. I think they're mostly just like weekend warriors, like, you know, guys who have Harleys or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then it became, the rumor became, oh, no, no, the Hell's Angels are riding in there to clean things up. 
Well, and apparently, then, yeah, go on. Go on. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, apparently while I was there, there were some Proud Boys there, like on one of the days. The first day I was there, about an hour before I arrived, there were Proud Boys there. And oh, yeah, while I, I was there, Andy Neal was in there, apparently. But uh-huh. there by, by Proud Boys, I mean, like, there were five of them. Like, not, not many. And they were right. all too scared to do anything. <laughs> uh, except, like, I think they harassed or, like, assaulted someone on, like, outside of the autonomous zone. I think, I, think I saw zone, a video. Was like five, it was, like, five on one guy. Just, like, some random, like, white guy or whatever. Yeah, that's what they did. Like, they were not gonna clean up the autonomous zone or I, honestly i i I'm, i think the proud boys nowadays are way less organized than they were like a couple years ago i mm. i don't think there's a strong i don't think i think one thing about these protests is that like i'm supposed to in like 2016 or a little afterwards where there's a lot of like left especially in portland there's a lot of like left-wing people against the right-wing people that's not true anymore it's the enemy is the police now like the proud boys okay. are so weak it, at least that's my feeling. The dialectic uh, has, has pressed yeah. forward. Uh, just to finish my thought real quick, though. The best part, the part where I was like, hell yeah, came when the story became the Hell's Angels and the Mongols have teamed up <laughs> and are riding to Seattle. And I love this idea of like, these two like you know motorcycle clubs that have hated each other and fought for decades. And are right. like, they, they, they put down their meth cooker and they're like, yo... I heard some hippies are uh, doing a drum circle in Seattle. Brother, let's ride. You know what I mean? They just cue the Sons of Anarchy theme. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the thing that... And I feel like this this is just, like, extends to, like, a broader boomer psychosis we're witnessing. Because one thing I've seen online during a lot of people, like, especially during, like, the looting, where all, like, these, like, boom... Like, I'm talking, like, 60-year-old white women right. bragging about that they have hollow point tips. Right? Uh-huh. And, like... like it's like, yeah, dude, because I use hollow point tips because when I shoot, I shoot to kill. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like right. literally, literally every boomer now like thinks they're Steven Seagal. Like not Steven Seagal, like in the the characters. He, like, they, they think they're Steven Seagal in the characters he plays in the movies, but they're like Steven Seagal, the actual person. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 a lot of boomer fantasy going on around this. Yeah. yeah. Like, like for you, sure. What are you going to do? What are you going to do mean, against you, Taz, Karen? And that's what that's what I love about the right. Like they always make me feel better because it's always like, yeah, like leftists they're larping, they have this fantasy, and then you just like peek in on like what like you know what some like right boomers like are thinking or projecting about this thing or happening, and it's just you know, or look how insane like Q has gotten. Where it's yeah, it's, right. It's just it's almost a it's almost like a straight up religion at this point. No, it basically is. Where, like Donald Trump is doing time travel and shit. <laughs> like I you mean, know, at least our can... fantasies are historically grounded. That's right. At least, at least we're fantasizing about being in the early 20th century, as opposed to whatever the Q people are doing. Did you right. did you see any flat caps? Were there any flat caps? I'm just curious. I don't think so. Okay, maybe. Were there, were there any sort of um, cult? I mean, sect presence. There's a there's the DSA was there. Um, okay. There I, I mean, some, that's kind of. I mean, yeah, there were some. Uh, there are some posters from the PSL. I didn't notice any other leftist sects there, really. Uh, okay. Mostly free of that, except for the DSA. There were some people who were like, there were some people who seemed basically just like opportunists selling Black Lives Matter shirts on the street. Okay. Yeah. I've heard about like, yeah, like kind of street vendors like selling stuff like that. Mostly the stuff that's being passed out there is being given away for free. Um, as uh, seems to be, you know, as it should be, basically. But then there are some street vendors who are just like s- trying to sell stuff. And uh, I'm not against that, by the way. I'm not. I wasn't saying that to be like this is fake now because there's money here. You know? No, it's not that. It, <laughs> yeah, I mean they are oppor- They are totally opportunists. Like, and the DSA is kind of opportunist too, though. They're going and collecting, you know, signatures for something. I, I'm not sure what. But yeah, well, no, I was curious because in the Oakland Commune there was a broad anti-political sense that like these people need to be kicked out, which, you know, for whatever the faults the Oakland commune had, I kind of appreciate that. I, I don't know, but I heard that that was true. Um, earlier in with the Chaz when, uh, I think what's her name? Sawant or something. The city, right. there's a city council member there who they basically wanted to kick out. Well, uh, she, but she apparently let them in the building. I don't know if that's, uh, disinformatia or whatever. Right. I, into, I, what, into which building was that the rumor? I think it was City Hall, wasn't it? Yeah. That that I think is true. 
I'm not sure, but I heard that. Okay. That, was... that I that sounds that sounds reliable. I mean, yeah, yeah. that sounds legit. I think by I think by the time I got there, that was over. <laughs> right, right. Right. And um, um, I guess another angle to this is that Capitol Hill, relatively mm-hmm. rich neighborhood. Am I wrong? No, that's correct. Okay. I I mean so, I'm like, not super familiar with cat ca- uh, with Seattle outside of this, but yeah. Yeah. So I wonder how that plays into it because turning a rich neighborhood into a carnival isn't, you know, it's not like devoid of, you know, some kind of emancipatory class content to do that. But also it just makes me wonder what would happen if this was tried in a different neighborhood. Right. I, I mean, like Occupy, a lot of the people actually camping there and staying there are like homeless people. Um, and I would, right. I would say that it seems like a fair number of the people who are there are not like, from capitol hill but i definitely did i did talk to uh like a couple basically who was from who was from there and they were like oh yeah our you know the apartment my apartment that i live in is like overlooking this area and i think it's great and so now i'm coming down here to hang out Um, so there are people like like but i it's a it's kind of a weird mixture of people because i i don't think that's the majority of it I would I would say that the people who are there seem to be like kind of lower class than you'd expect from a what is basically like a yuppie neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that I mean, seems it's, positive to me. Yeah, like, I think Capitol Hill is also young and wealthy. Like, there's a lot of neighborhoods in Portland like that. It's not there's there's a clear distinction between young wealthy neighborhoods and ones that are like old rich people. Right. I feel like that bodes ill because if it was like. If it was wealthy enough, one, I feel like a lot of the buildings wouldn't be occupied. But also, they might be so wealthy they have the, oh, look at this mindset, you know, like, yeah, like isn't this novel? Um, <laughs> well, I, I feel like yuppies are more likely to do that because they, you know, they have like a, they have that woke button. I think yeah, I guess there, I guess there's that element. I know I've also read r- reports of some people who are like fleeing, like we have to get out of here, like this is crazy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. They're handing out free sweet potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I got the red and the black. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. So the reason that Chaz came up last episode, and that was my fault, Jake, um, was that you know, in general, uh, at Emancipation Network, sort of broader kind of grouping of podcasts that we're a part of. I think you're going to talk to Tom from uh, from Alpha to Omega. Um, yeah. Coming up. Yeah, he and invited yeah. me. Cool. So we've been having this broader conversation about revolutionary strategy and, you know, the question of the state and the sort of long durée of socialist attempts to grapple with the state, um, you know, whether it's sewer socialism or some form of Bolshevism, some, some form of Bolshevism or, you know, this kind of left cluster of you know, being skeptical of anything that exists before an uprising and looking towards an uprising for the the invention of social forms that could potentially form some kind of alternative means of power um, that, you know, could have a, a chance of displacing the state or replacing the state or what have you. I think we're all basically in the ballpark that this ain't quite it (laughs) right yeah like Uh, and all us you know sympathetic commentators and people that would love to see you know full communization just flowering and blooming out of out of the protests and what have you but um yeah i guess that's the question that i'm most like hung up on here is that the limits of these struggles, you know, that um, even when they have something like popular resonance, I don't know if Chaz Chop has popular support or something, um, but there is resonance to the protests. This came out of the protests. Um, I would imagine that this occupation is a bit contentious between people that see this as a means to an end or people that see this as you know, a tactic in their overall strategy or people that see this as a sort of distraction from the overall um, anti-cop black freedom struggle. Yeah. I mean, 
I there's there's just not much. It's hard. It's really hard to on the ground gauge like the actual political goals of the people there. Like I talked to, I, I couldn't find anyone who was in one of the groups that was considered an organizing group, of which I am told there are several. Um, but most of the people who are there kind of just to seem to be there. I think there is, there definitely is tension around what their goals are. Like, especially when the city came in and put in barricades, like it seemed like I heard one, you know, I heard a group of people like arguing over that. And one person is saying, you know, they're basically attacking us. They're taking our ground. They're trying to, um, and you legitimize us with this. And then someone else is saying, no, we got to just let them, you know, they're accepting us, you know, like there's that tension there. It's like, what are they there for? There's also, I mean, even at the autonomous zone, there's like kind of a reformist element versus like a more radical one. I I think just judging from like what's on the walls there, like what posters have been put up. Do um, do we know like how decisions are getting made? Are there like general meetings or general councils, or is this all just like kind of different subgroups all acting on their own initiative or negotiating I, based on you know? I think there's a combination of both. I think there are a variety of groups that are kind of organizer groups. Um, but again, I couldn't really find people from them. But then I did see like a, I did see like one general meeting taking place that was like, we're having a meeting to talk about this over here, but they seem to be fairly off the cuff. Like, hmm. and I, there doesn't seem to be much coordination at this point, at, like, especially around, you know, what the city's doing. Or like whether they should occupy the police precinct. It kind of feels like the reason the police precinct hasn't been occupied there is partially just because like no one is taking like the initiative to organize going in. Hmm. Um, I huh. I don't know. I'm not. The thing is like I I did I went there and like I I saw it and I have a good sense of the vibe of the place, but it's, it is really hard to like actually pick up on the political goals of, of what's right. going on because I think that the people there don't really have even a coherent one like it's well, yeah. hard to even understand what the consensus is, is yeah <laughs> i mean that's the thing like it doesn't seem like it doesn't that because that's gonna be the tricky part is you know the, finding the off-ramp on this that i mean it, yeah. it sounds like it's really just headed for like the zuccotti park end where the cops just come in and clear it right. and that's that you know yeah i i mean that's my pessimistic take too i it is interesting that they've like actually barricaded the streets and that there's a police precinct there and there's some people who are armed there like that it's kind of different than Occupy, I think. But yeah, it's yeah, it certainly feels like I I don't know how I I feel like it could last a fair bit longer, but I don't I don't think they're ever going to wind up like trying to occupy that police precinct or anything like that. Like they're so far, it seems like they've mostly lost ground rather than gained it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing, my, the, the thing about the reaction to Occupy is is that it was so much related to the sort of, uh, you know, the disintegration period. And while Occupy mm -hmm. had some sparks of popular support, mainly when protesters were attacked, the right. George Floyd anti-cop like uprising kind of continues to have popular appeal, popular resonance. Um, Sometimes this is polled as being support for Black Lives Matter. But I think, you know, we could read between the lines here and say that broadly speaking, these protests have some moral authority with the general population that Occupy did not have. I think that's definitely, that's definitely true. Yeah. So um, the regular police response of, okay, we're going to give you this little chunk of territory you're going to embarrass yourselves. We're going to put out misinformation and people will believe it at face value because they already kind of hate you. And then we're going to come in and crush it when you overplay your hand. That seems to not exactly be at work here. Maybe that's optimistic, but I, you know, I don't see that being at work here. Like they didn't just burn the police precinct or what have you. They didn't, mm -hmm. you know, they don't seem to be on the, because one of the big things in Oakland that really, fucked them was that at this moment where they were having sort of waning support they attempted to take a building and the cops cracked down on that and that seemed to be the event that kind of you know the domino that fell that broke the whole oakland commune enterprise right. um 
I just don't see that balance of forces in play here. Uh, I mean, I think that the cops are being smart by not attacking them. Yes. And the mayor's being smart by not attacking them. I think that if they were to attack them, yeah. it would just, you know, make the situation more, like, unpredictable and worse for the cops, honestly. Right. So, uh, like, it marks a national shift. It seems like all over the place. Pretty, just about everywhere. Not everywhere, but just about everywhere. I think the police kind of understood that there's a lot of inst- like actually society isn't collapsing and there's a lot of institutional inertia and yeah. you know people can't riot forever it's just not sustainable um and that sooner or later like this thing will run out of, on, out of steam on its own and in the end uh the forces that are in power now will still be the people calling the shots basically yeah. so I they kind of just have to wait it out let me tell like I'll, i can tell you what the cop strategy has been in eugene basically which is at least for the first couple days of protests in Eugene and, and Eugene is pretty small, but we still had a riot. Like Eugene still had a genuine riot for like one day. Um, and then it had some other protests that were kind of had that weren't really riots, but had some energy of them. Um, and the cop strategy in Eugene was basically let the daytime protesters do what they want. Uh, don't, don't interfere with them hope that the liberal elements of the protest can control them, which they generally did in Eugene. Uh, and then at night, crack down on whoever's left, you know, and they did that a couple times. Uh, you know, my friend got hit by a rubber bullet. Um, and, and that worked really, honestly, that worked pretty well. And now we're basically left with just the daytime protests and the cops are still letting them, are letting them exist. That's pretty much exactly what happened here. Yeah, it worked um, perfectly. Like the, they were smart. Yeah, and basically the only people like running the stuff now are, from what I've heard, a hundred percent dem ops. Basically, who are just telling the cops everything that's going to happen. Yeah, there, there um, are some groups in Eugene that aren't that, but even the ones that aren't dem ops are also kind of running peaceful protests now. So yeah. Um. um so I mean, and that's the problem. Like, you know, with all this stuff. Chaz, the riots, Bernie, like the conditions that produce it are its limitations. And I was kind of thinking about this, like along with Occupy and other things. And honestly, kind of like even like certain aspects of like hippies and all that. Like I was trying, I was thinking like kind of the like the black pill analysis is, you know, like working class districts and the sort of geography that produced like um the geography in which like the revolutionary waves of like late 19th early 20th century and like the workers movements then existed within were basically ripped up and taken apart in the second half of the 20th century and so what you get you know from people attempting these kind of things is almost kind of like this spontaneous like revolutionary urbanism where they're ba- almost like trying to create like the- these kind of communal spaces in which to have kind of like association and some kind of like shared common interest it was almost like a like a precondition for what you would need for you know like maybe some kind of like deeper more sustained struggles and it just kind of keeps getting like broken up by the cops i don't right. know um yeah i i don't know we'll we'll see how things go <laughs> that's kind of analogous to being like okay we're gonna do the old workers movement plus socialist movement strategy let's build a workers movement to do it with like we have to build the preconditions for the thing that we normally do, right? Yeah. I'll, in Eugene, it's kind of been it's I I do it's it's been interesting to watch the way the protests developed for me because you do see, like I would say the pattern I've seen is like you have these spontaneous riots and protests, and then you have after that a variety of groups pop up with kind of different political goals, a lot of which are just democratic or see who, who knows probably cia plant groups and then and then and then like some more radical ones too but like so you do see like you see specific political like organizations spring up with their own actual kind pseudo goals even if those goals aren't really well defined they're like planning stuff out really explicitly and i i, I the results have been really mixed i think like I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I just, I do think that like next time I hope that the left can have its shit together a little more so that when it, that when we move from the spontaneous riot phase to something else, we can like maintain something more useful than it seems to me to be happening right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's possible that we might just have to go through multiple cycles of struggle before more people 
see kind of the need for yeah, like durable institutions. Um, hope I mean if if I mean if the material conditions continue to deteriorate for people, um, and I think there's they a lot. Will. Yeah, there's a lot of economic indicators to show that they will. We might see more rapid, intensified cycles of struggle. Um, like, in, I mean, because, you know, this is basically a, they're, it's picking up the Black Lives Matter thread from a, you know, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, it's basically a more intense iteration on that, precisely because there hasn't really been any change in it. You know, and so if you, you continue to push these things down the road, it's the problem is going to get more and more explosive. Uh, but hopefully people will come to see the limitations of the these kind of moments of mass collective action understand that yeah there needs to be like a longer development of like political power and not just these kind of you know pressure cooker situations that boil over and then it's fine again for a while i guess i feel like to a certain to a certain degree my job in eugene is to try and get the people who I have been working with and organizing with around these protests to understand that like we'll see how it goes but like that's one of my goals especially with my little communist group is like let's see if we can think about building towards political power and longer term institutions and structures um well it's kind of why it has to be i mean more and more i know there's been like a lot of pushback lately against like class collaborator or class reductionism but Mm -hmm. i'm kind of honestly back on my class reductionist bullshit because (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. For for a number of reasons, like one, like you, like I'm sorry, you looking at like some of this like more ridiculous stuff, like the like like the foot washing and all that kind of stuff, or just like I don't know different exchanges I've seen online. It's like, you know, uh, Christianity offers sinners like guaranteed redemption from a benevolent and loving God. All they have to do is ask for it, and in Christianity. There's like a very like clear set of written rules. You know, you got the ten got your Ten Commandments, you know, you got some other stuff in there, right? But it's written down, you kinda know what you gotta do. And then if you don't if you fuck up a little bit, it's no big deal, right? But like <laughs> right. identity politics doesn't offer that. It just offers like endless attrition for this like this racial sins of America that you constantly have to like feel bad about. And then uh, you know, basically genuflect to any, and the rules are constantly changing about what's, you know, what's acceptable and what isn't. And it all just depends on who you talk to. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, who in their right mind would sign up for that? No, I mean, yeah, I mostly agree with you. Um, I, I guess one thing is it, this has convinced me that like, I mean, I kind of already believe this, but this makes it clear. I think that a, that a strong anti-racist politics is really necessary but the form that that takes doesn't need to be foot washing, right? Like, right. <laughs> well, I, hope, I don't. I hope that's I don't not controversial. I, I, like, I don't understand no. like why why it's like it's considered like gauche to be like look, like the idea of different races and ethnicities understanding that they have more materially in common uh, than they don't, and like working together to like you know like yeah kill the owners like why and how that's been like that's been the nightmare of the owners since day one of this fucking country no, I, yeah I agree. and like why it's got why it's gauche to say that or trying to like frame things in class terms it has to be like that they just you know it's because one thing that happened very quickly and i witnessed it was all this like white people you're here now but you need to stay in your lane you yeah, I've I mean? seen like, a lot of that too. Like yep. all the all that stuff is literally just corrosive and designed to like undermine the bit of like solidarity that makes these things useful and interesting. Like I, if you look at the LA riots, like the LA yeah. riots were more multiracial than they're commonly portrayed as. The early the, riots uh, in Ukraine are really the LA really riots had ugly interracial conflict that this round of uprisings has really, really admirably avoided. Right. And provides a much more solid yeah. grounds for interracial solidarity against the bourgeoisie and against the state um, that you just didn't really see before. Right. And to kind of, I want to push back a little bit on this without really abandoning the so-called class reductionist planks, because I actually think that what people usually call class reductionism you know, and the critiques of class reductionism are often simply pushed back to the concept of class politics. Um, But 
even with those sympathies, the, I'm going to like crush and snort some black pills here. Um, <laughs> you know, even so as a veteran of Occupy and for some reason, the VA won't return my calls. Um, <laughs> you know, there has been a felt need for longer lasting types of organization that can sort of guard the class content of popular uprisings in between the lulls. You know, we have our tantrum and then we have a lull. And we have the social tantrum again, we have a lull. In those lulls, the proletariat is more or less defenseless. Um, there has been a felt need for quite a while. Part of the reason that we don't get this is who runs these more permanent organizations? You have the problem of grift and drift. If it is something that comes out of an uprising moment, um, eventually, you know, things drift, right? You also have just genuine, like, class, just sort of like conflicting class content that does not result in a, you know, in a net gain solution. You have people that are there to rope them, to rope, you know, whatever content there is into some bullshit busy work, into some NGO, and, you know, there are defenses of that, but whatever, into, into something that is not going to preserve whatever proletarian class content is there. And it's not going to be all that useful for the next round of struggles, except as a means of diverting it, sapping its energy and, you know, making white people wash feet and some crypto S and M shit. Like <laughs> there's, that's the problem of our time, right? Is that the idea of a permanent proletarian organization in capitalism is more or less impossible. It's basically unthinkable in our current period. And then when we look back to when it did exist, you see that dynamic anyway. And that's the whole reason people are communizers. That's why Marxism, you know, that's why Marxists adopt these sort of anarchist politics and try to adapt it into Marxist strategy is because it just seems like that if something doesn't come directly from the struggle, and it you know doesn't make shit happen immediately it, we're gonna fall into grift and drift and so that's the that's the sort of like compound response i would give to all that i mean i think i think like long term one thing i mean a few things that we could probably do to maybe get out of that cycle is one uh look be mindful of the scale that we're operating at you know like it this stuff is all very niche and the goal is to organize amongst like the wider working class um you know i think we also need to be very conscious of yeah the fact that we do basically exist in the middle in the epicenter of like global imperialism yeah. that we have probably the most powerful surveillance state in human history mm -hmm. and you know we're basically saturated in like this media sphere that's largely controlled by people who do not have our best interests at heart and yeah. Obviously, you know, we're not all like sheeple or whatever, but it, that shit does influence like the way people think about things like the like the, you know, the Russiagate hysteria did not just fall out of the sky. Like that was drilled into people and people bought into it. You uh, my know? roommate was into it. It was really annoying. Yeah. So <laughs> so, you know, there are these kind of major challenges. And I think the only way the only way to, to get around it is for people to basically try and do things and then see you know see what comes of it you know they it, it things need to become determinant and have to exist in the world in order for us to you know even have something to theoretically talk about you know sure. um and they you know people have to do it in a way that is sustainable and not just in you know burn yourself out in three years activism and then right you know go do uh, whatever yeah yeah I, because by the time that the ferguson solidarity stuff came out i was so burnt out from occupy i was like yeah whatever and you know i heard later that the composition of the protest was different and i was like oh huh. i i'm worried that everyone who's involved in these protests now are just going to burn themselves out and like probably maybe you know 
three months as opposed to three years. Yeah. Just seeing some of the organizing strategies and there's a lot of long meetings and stuff. Right. Well, and there's no like there's no economy. Like there's no without any organization, you don't know where like where like in some ways, yeah, in theory it's often beautiful. Like, yeah, man, we're all just bring it's like a potlatch and we're all just bringing something to the table. Yeah. But there are like things that have to run and you anytime you're dealing with a large number of people, it's like a complex system. And so you have to you have to organize the things so you know where labor is being allocated. Otherwise it just falls on certain people. And then they just end up picking up all the slack. And then, yeah, they, Mm -hmm. yeah. And Mm -hmm. they're not getting paid. So eventually it's like, fuck it and fuck all you people, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. And I'm, cause like that that is one thing that I guess that free time Christianity had going for is that there was, when they were doing it, they did have very definite goals. They weren't on extreme. I mean, at the time, it, it was less expensive. Like you're going into like a very expensive district in an economy that's based on inflated assets. You know, people are going to want that fucking land back uh, very soon. You know, mm-hmm. where they're doing this. Yeah, that's gonna be a huge problem. The other thing, Freedom Christian, I had to it was that they were they were trying to actually develop a kind of economy and like kind of like a shared sense of responsibility and having things be managed like, you know, at least through like you know general meetings of everybody. You know, there was a they, and they were very deliberately trying to create a, li- a sustainable living situation, whereas this just seemed to kind of basically have started off, you know, kind of it on a whim in a way. You know, they like they saw an opportunity to make a statement, and now they're all trying to kind of scrambling to figure out what it means. And you know, obviously, what they're doing is cool. Like if I if I lived near Seattle, like I'd probably go there and hang. out. I'd be hanging out yeah, there. But, be, I'd be there all the time. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it it's it's a lot of work to make something like this uh, actually work, and you know it's you know it, it's like anything else. Like I said, it's like Bernie, it's like Occupy. Like the, the conditions that produce it also contain therein contain its limitations. You yeah, know, the thing that's great about it is also like its deepest flaw. Um, so, you mind if I say one more thing about like the white people washing feet stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I even I will say that uh, and. I hope I don't get in trouble with like local people for saying this, but I'll say that even in the more radical groups in Eugene, I think there is some amount of, there's some amount of tension or like resentment around some of this kind of racially charged stuff. One example is one of the organizers in Eugene was frequently using kind of who was on in one of the more radical groups, not one of the Democrat ones was frequently using like white people should be shields at protests language. Mm-hmm. Um, all the time and pretty much every white person who I was like organizing with like confided to each other that they didn't like that <laughs> you know, you know? Mm-hmm. and and it's like it sets up kind of an unhealthy relationship I think some of that stuff um, you know like I, I got my friend who was hit by a rubber bullet and he's like she always says that I need to be a shield or I should leave the protest and I just can't do that you know, like I got hit by a rubber bullet. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared now. Like, yeah, I'm glad I never saw any of that shit. I mean, there was some ridiculous stuff here, but it mostly got like shot down immediately. And it seems like all the ridiculous stuff that's happening here is like online or behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, I'm, Eugene, student activists and stuff. I don't know. Some of this gets through. Right. Um, this, this, is to, like, this is related to how, you know, how many people are we talking about here? who is there, you know, um, because inevitably you're going to have a will to power situation where the people that feel like uh, they're most confident in what they're saying, you know, are going to speak, you know what I mean? They're going to put that forward. And mm-hmm. if you have a lot of people that, you know, are kind of like cowed into this by guilt rather than, you know, assembling because of interest. Yeah. You know, no, I those totally people agree. will have power. Right. Yeah. But that's, Part of what makes the class content of these movements so important. You need people that aren't just going to be intimidated into this by a sense of justice that seems to have no outlet. There it's almost like be- you want like the working yeah. class as the mass of any fucking movement that can actually accomplish anything. I, I know I'm saying something that's never been said before. <laughs> yeah. The, the yeah. task should be carried out by the working class themselves. People, people really need to be involved in this stuff because of because they feel like it's in their interest to or like they are part of a collective struggle you you can't get i it's i just think it's true that you really are going to have a lot of trouble getting a lot of white people to constantly come out to this stuff if you're always telling them this isn't about you at all and like this isn't 
for you and you're and you're fighting against against your own interest by being here which yeah, is what a lot of the messages i've seen has been basically that when you come here you are actually working against yourself and sacrificing something which is right. i think counterproductive because like you should go into these things and say it's in my interest that you know my fellow man is not shot by the police or whatever right, right? Yeah. like and, yeah like like not only that but like and of course this is a difficult conversation because nobody uh no one here would deny the disproportionality of uh blacks getting shot oh yeah of course being incarcerated right but you run the numbers we also have record numbers of white people being shot and incarcerated because the cops are a big fucking gang right? yeah the cops like, will kill you <laughs> and it is it's not the same proportion of the population you know mm -hmm. that black people have to deal with but it's still record numbers of people being shot and warehoused like yeah right well it's, and and it's one of the sad for it because there's self-interest there like and one of the sad I've, I've heard of like black lives matter protests where they they showed up for stuff like that too like the instances i think it was like a daniel shaver like there were black lives matter protesters for that guy like yeah and that's like kind of one of the so it's you know some of the savvier chapters have actually like kind of showed up for that stuff you know because you, you have to to like build like some kind of wider solidarity because a lot of a lot of a lot of times when stuff like that happens like the first thing like reactionary say is like oh well no one said anything about daniel shaver uh that guy i just googled five seconds ago so i could find <laughs> yeah, an example to prove my point you know yeah yeah, yeah you, you got to be willing to like beat them to the punch on those things make the smarter point be like but look yeah black people are disproportionately dealing with this shit that nobody should have to deal with which nobody who's being honest would actually deny i mean i mean yeah i agree with that and, and i don't think I, I don't know it's it's complicated it's just i the bottom line i feel like it's just you you have to have you got to have like a sense of solidarity here like you can't just rely on this kind of allyship approach that it, i'm seeing happening again and it's like frustrating because i feel like i this you know the white people come in as allies conversation kind of died away but now it's back um yeah, yeah i mean there there is a genuine tension here because like yeah black people do have more at stake in this and there yeah, is something kind of gross about like anarchists being like yeah dude this is my time to write fuck america no, at is. starbucks you know <laughs> like <laughs> no that's true there is a it's 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 hard it's genuinely kind of difficult. But, but it's not way... helped by like bad faith actors who are just looking to like pad their fucking resumes or, you know, like basically push people around, you know, or just there on an ego trip to basically That's be great, social justice cops, you know. It's not it's not the grifters are never helpful. <laughs> That's true. The opportunists. And that's the thing, like the I if dudes selling t shirts, that's cool actually. Like like that's the kind of grifting we need. <laughs> I guess yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure grifting. these people are all selling the same T-shirt. Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I don't they're all selling the same and Black Lives Matter one. And the honestly, mask that says "I can't breathe" across it, which just reminds me of the have a soda and smile bitch hats from Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, love that movie. Um, um, but no, and honestly, like that, I know that that Raz guy got like a lot of everyone was calling him, you know, I guess the warlord or whatever. Uh, that's yeah. kind of all bullshit. <laughs> but but as as a, as a mediator, like they could have done worse than that guy, you know? Yeah. Like that guy, that guy definitely <laughs> seems like you know he kind of seems like one of those like kind of self stylized internet entrepreneurs. I know he's like a rapper, but yes, that's probably more representative of like normal people and like the community than any of these like HR, you know. <laughs> HR a couple, organizers. A couple of my friends got bullied into buying someone's mixtape for two dollars while we were there. Yeah, that's how you know, that's how you know it's real shit. That no, I, I respect know, that. I respect that group more than I respect the I can't breathe masks, to be honest. Okay. I, I don't know. But I can accept that. But there's a limit to my critical support for Raz uh lump and yes. Stalinism kind of stuff oh, here. I, no, sure, I, sure. I, I will follow him on Twitter, but I'm not going to seek him out. I'm just saying. I'm just saying they could have done worse than that guy. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Are you saying we can get Raz on Twitter or like on the show right now? Like, is that what you, you're saying? Dad? You probably could. He has a Twitter that he made recently. I think it's uh, Raz Simone. It's okay. I think it's what right, it's called. Right. So, you know, because we're on SoundCloud. We're SoundCloud rappers. You, know? you yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we can get him to write something for the show. Yeah, that'd be that would we, be awesome. We'd pay it. We'd pay him, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Rass speaks out. 
Yeah, the truth. I want yeah, I want to hear his theory of the lumpen proletariat and the, you know, his I mean, engagement with Maoism and and the the Panthers that kind of shit. Well, honestly, the, he actually doesn't even seem like the clips I've heard of him like speaking on stuff. He is not doesn't actually even sound particularly woke. He just I'm seemed sure he seemed not. to he seemed to almost be saying like yeah it's like you know there's we we're worried there's gonna be a lot of like bad people come around and like someone needed to like step in and you know protect that from happening and I figured I'd do that you know someone I mean, had to do it. I'm kidding, of course, because what you do see in these situations is like I don't know I'm I'm reading through the um, 18th Brumaire and like hmm. look I don't know who said that Marx was you know kind of cool with the lump in whoever said that was fucking lying marx has nothing but fire breathing like damnation for the lump in it's a little like off kilter actually it's a little (laughs) nuts that was always my feeling about it (laughs) yeah and sort of like without giving into that too much like that tendency jake that you just pointed to for like a self-appointed warlord to kind of keep order is, you know, the reason why gangs will sometimes work with the police. Like, right. um, you do have these sort of like improvised power structures that can keep order when nobody else can. Um, this, you know, notably happened in Ferguson when the, the cops lost legitimacy. Um, it's, uh, I don't know if this is like top of the list problem, I'm certainly not getting all my info on Raz from uh, Fox News, but um, <laughs> but I don't know. It's just one of one of those things that pops up. You're probably right that this this kind of grift has more in common with the uh, proletarian interests generally than the you know NGO grifters. But something uh, like I can't breathe masks or whatever. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Grifters out of Chaz. Okay. Oh, Grifters right. Out of just any of them. Yeah, let's let's push push out SoundCloud warlords like us. let's push out the Cascadian revivalists. You know, let's oh, go. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I guess I guess in some ways I do have a soft spot for the lumpen, uh, and in some respects, because you know, it's it, like in 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 the United States now, like lumpen's gonna get bigger. We got a record unemployment. Oh you yeah, know? I mean, like it's actually, it's a weird situation. Actually existing. Sorry. If you're for the actually existing proletariat, you have to take another look at the lumpen. Uh, I think that category is probably bad because it lumps essentially, you know, pimps in with, you know, the pimped, you know, if you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. it just shoves people outside of the wage form together, regardless of, you know, what side of this kind of parasitic exploitation of their fellow prole that they're on. Um, and so kind of the late marks on surplus population probably has a lot more to offer us and, um, and surplus proletariat because yeah, we're gonna have to be, we're gonna have to be more nuanced about this. We can't adopt the moralism of the old workers movement, but you know, a grift recognize grift, you know, <laughs> we, we got a Patreon, Swampside Chats dot, is, a, is, is, a, is a Patreon funded venture. So we, we know a good grip when we see one. Game recognized. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say I did not see Raz the Warlord when I was there. I did not Heart see him. Well, he's, a, he's already at like 10 levels up in an occupied building. He's got like a whole he's substrata probably, of, of, you know, generals and sergeants probably, and people beneath him. He's probably actually in the police precinct. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You... you it, like Damn. you're so you're somebody you're like brought before him. You don't just see yeah. him around anymore. You know, <laughs> someone there told me that they thought that there were people in the police precinct because someone had to be answering nine one one calls. So they must have seven people in there, you know, <laughs> just hidden away. They're nine one one all the time. This is Raz speaking. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> and he answers it up. Um, no. <laughs> I don't think there's any. I don't think there's anyone in that precinct. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not certain about that, but I don't think there's a lot of rumors that there are. I don't. I don't think there is. Okay. Uh, any uh, any closing thoughts here? Uh, I don't know. I guess not really. Thank you for 
having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's been great. Yeah, this is a good this, conversation. This really um, well. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I think, you know, we'll continue to see, like, more experiments like this. I, f I feel like the fact that, you know, same with these riots, I, I feel like we're, you know, th there's some, the fact that this kind of shit keeps happening means there's some kind of, like, structural aspects that are, like, tending towards it. And I don't, I don't see those changing. Hopefully we can no. get some more, like, you know, at the point of work struggles, um, you know, more, some more, like, directly economic struggles in the coming years, and there has been a slight uptick in, like, labor militancy, but um, I think having something like that would probably be kind of the missing piece here, mm. followed, of course, by, you know, a uh, legit party. But anyway, uh, yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on. Um, yeah. And, uh, thanks, Ben. Yeah, there's, yeah no, there's, there's no chat questions, so I'm going to go ahead and end the broadcast. All right. Thanks to both of you.